Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. As I mentioned, uh, after Easter, we've been focusing on the after Easter and waiting on the Lord and how no one likes the word wait. I don't like to wait. You don't like to wait. It's not one of the words that we enjoy. And yet, after the resurrection, the first thing Jesus told the disciples to do was wait. And I don't know that they fully understood it, but they had seen enough about Jesus, especially after the resurrection, that if he said it, they were going to do it. So we find that he appeared to 500 people after his resurrection, and 120 were in this upper room, and they were praying and praising. And this is where we pick up the story in, as they were waiting for the power of the Spirit. In Acts uh, 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Okay, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Okay, so don't leave Jerusalem, wait for the gift the father promised, which you've heard me speak about. And then he tells what that is in verse 5, for John baptized in water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The wait for the Holy Spirit was over. Uh, I want to read an extended passage to you this morning from Acts chapter 2. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but I don't want to miss any of it. If you're able to follow along, there's too many verses to put up on the screen. Uh, but if you have your Bibles with you or your phone, however it is you read God's, God's word, uh, Acts chapter 2 will put in context what we're looking at today. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them, here's our key verse, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now my focus today is not going to be on the speaking in tongues part of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In the Assemblies of God, our distinctive doctrine is that we believe that the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. It means the first initial physical outward, you can see it, experience it, uh, the initial physical um, experience is the speaking in tongues. And it is important, but that's not going to be the, the sole focus of it, but baptized in the Holy Spirit. The reason initial physical evidence is, is important is because anyone could say anything about the Holy Spirit. And I, I, I relate it like this. You could, you could flip a pancake and it could land on your head, and you get a warm, gooey feeling. And what's to say that's not the baptism in the Holy Spirit because you had a warm, gooey feeling? God gave us physical outward signs so that we would know that we have received all that God has for us. 
Okay, and I'm not going to do a whole teaching on that, but let me keep going in verse 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, and when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in, does anybody see it? Do you have it? Bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. A miracle was happening here. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Well, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed. So we have they were bewildered, they were amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, there's always some in the crowd made fun of them and said, oh, they've just had too much wine. And then who stands up to speak? See, Peter preaches the first Pentecostal sermon under the power of the Holy Spirit. Before the power of the Holy Spirit, he said dumb things often and did dumb things often. After the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he was the one that stood up and preached through the power of the Holy Spirit. And watch, he stands up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, Watch this. We've taught on this before. We are living in the last days right now. Now, we don't know about the end times. We don't know when the end times are coming. But scripturally, we're in the last days. Between the ascension of Jesus Christ and the rapture, however long that period ends up being, that's, those are the last days. Okay? So when he says that in, all the way back in the prophet Joel that he would pour out his spirit uh, in the last days, that includes this whole church age. Now the church at various times in its history, there were times where, and I'll put it in these terms, where they were close to God and there were times where the church was far from God. And there were times where God moved more miraculously than, it, than at other times. I was thinking about it as we were traveling uh, this, this past week about, you know, some people will say, well, why don't we see miracles anymore? Well, you know what that, you know what that shows really is that we're very, I don't mean this as harsh as it comes across, but I want to give perspective to it. How do you know? You only live your life in your place. How do you know out of 7 billion people on the planet that God's not doing more miracles now than ever before? How, how do you know that, that, that he sent two great awakenings to the United States of America, right? The revivals that took place, the Pentecostal revival in 1900, and we're living in those days. Again, God's timing is different than ours. How do we know that this great outpouring isn't happening in other countries, and so to say, why isn't God doing miracles? We don't know that. We're too limited in our perspective. That's why we have to have missionaries sometimes come and share what God's doing all around the world. The United States has received the light and continues to have the light of the gospel no matter what anybody thinks. You can go to Walmart and buy a Bible. 
Talk to someone from an Eastern Bloc country that was formerly communist, and they'll come back to America and say, America is still a Christian nation. You should live in the nation we live in, where 98% of the people are atheist, where darkness and sin abounds. So take this out of your thought pattern. Why doesn't God perform miracles the way he used to? He is. He's the same God. Okay? And we don't know that he's not doing more now than ever in all of history as we move closer to his return. It's short-sightedness. It's a lack of perspective. See, I don't want to limit God in any way. I believe that the God that our God is unlimited. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he said he would pour out his spirit in these last days on all people, then I believe he's still doing that. Okay? Our, our world gets very small sometimes. And again, I don't mean this as harsh as it sounds, but I only have so much time this morning. We live in our own little circle and we think if it ain't happening in our little circle, then it ain't happening. Well, God's circle is a lot bigger than you. And it's a lot bigger than us. Amen? Okay. That uh, it came across harsher than I meant it. But don't get so, you know, no, God, big, great things. Okay? All right. Oh, boy. Oh. Uh, Remember the last time I preached, I had eight points, and you didn't think I could get through it? Well, I only have two today, and I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get through it, okay? Uh, in the last days, God said, pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. What that means is God will pour out his spirit on all generations. Simple as that. He's not bound by age. Oh, you're, you're not 14. You're not 21. You're too old, you're too young. No, God will pour out his spirit on all people. And then verse 21, jumping ahead, and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be what? Is that still true? Okay, so why isn't it true that he's still pouring out his spirit? If you accept one, you have to accept the other. In the last days, he will pour out his spirit on all people. We accept all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, right? You still with me? You should not let me go for weeks without preaching dangerous when I get back. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Therefore, all of Israel, verse 36, be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. That's us. 
for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Couldn't we say the same today? Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. The disciples and all who were in the upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me give you a little bit more theology here. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Were they saved when they went into the upper room? And the answer to that is, is yes. In John 20, 22, it says this of Jesus, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, right? He said, receive the Holy Spirit when he breathed on them. So the logical question is, if they received the Holy Spirit, why did they have to wait for the Holy Spirit? Right? And here's the answer. Because there's a second work of the Holy Spirit that's subsequent to salvation. There's a second work of the Holy Spirit that comes after we're saved. And that's what we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In the Assemblies of God, Distinctive Doctrines, it says this, however, there is an additional and distinct ministry of the Holy Spirit called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Additional and distinct. If they had, were saved and received the Holy Spirit and yet he told them to wait for the Holy Spirit, it shows that there's another work that the Holy Spirit, that God wants to accomplish through the Holy Spirit. This baptism of the Holy Spirit is an empowering gift from God the Father, see, the promise of the Father, that's the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that is available to every believer. Now, this is the center of the message. Can you do the work of the Lord without the baptism in the Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes. But there's a difference, watch, between a garden hose and a pressure washer. There's a difference between a garden hose and a pressure washer. Now, do we have that video? Watch. Okay, that's good. You get the point. Now, all of those things that were being cleaned, the hose, the garden hose could get them wet, but it wouldn't clean them. Okay? So I had only used, until this week, I had only used a power washer a couple times. Power tools in my hands are iffy at best. Okay? Iffy at best. So I, I've used pressure washers. Other people had them, and it, it really didn't go that well because I had trouble setting it up, and I didn't understand how it all worked and how close I had to get and how far away I had to get. Well, this week, though, I researched and bought my own uh, power washer, and it's this little baby right here. It's not the most powerful uh, pressure washer in the world, but it's perfect for what, what I need. And when I started using it, I realized this thing is awesome. And it's work, but it's fun. 
because you can actually see something being accomplished while you're using it, and that's the best part of it. And the power is also the best part of it. So, so far in the past, I don't remember what day I bought it. I think it was Thursday. So since we got home Wednesday, Thursday, I bought the power washer. Okay, so that's just in case you needed to know my life. So since then, I've power washed the porch, the patio, the patio furniture, the windows and screens, bird baths, bricks, concrete. The, the, I've done half of the uh, driveway. I've used the power washer so much and so often, Dory is afraid to leave the inside of the house. That's how bad it's gotten. But if you've ever had to preach on a regular basis, say 100 times a year over a 35-year period of time, your mind never stops thinking about sermons and sermon illustrations and how you can relate the Word of God. So, of course, while I'm using this power washer, I'm thinking, well, how can I relate this to the Word of God? And I knew this was our next passage that we've been studying, and I thought, wait a second, this is perfect. The pressure washer is the perfect example of the power of the Holy Spirit. When we're saved, we get a garden hose. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we become a pressure washer. See that? Now, a garden hose is about 200 pounds per square inch. I had to look this stuff up. I Googled it like I don't know this stuff and don't really understand it. But you all pretend like, wow, he really knows what he's talking about, okay? Can you do that? Just, just look amazed. Just look at, wow, he really knows a lot about this stuff. Okay, just pretend, okay? The garden hose has 200 uh, pounds per square inch. Now, my little pressure washer is 1,600. That's on the low end. That's eight times the power of a garden hose. So I called my one brother yesterday because I was using it so much, I was afraid that, you know, we have a well and that it would mess up the, the pump on the well. And he explained this to me, and then it all came together. He said, no, you don't have to worry about it because what the pressure washer does is it takes a little bit of pressure and it amplifies it. It takes a little bit of water and it amplifies it. And I thought, that's what God does when he fills us with the Holy Spirit. He takes a little bit of water in our lives and he amplifies it so that through him we could accomplish more as a pressure washer than we could as a garden hose. Now, the more power you have, the more that can be done. They've got these things. I don't mean commercial grade, but I mean stuff you can buy at the, you know, the, 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 the do-it-yourself stores. And they come with wheels, and some of them are gas, and I don't really want to do that anymore and all that. So I got an electric one. And, and the more power you have, the faster you can accomplish things. Now, let's go back to the garden hose idea. The garden hose is a good thing. A garden hose can do a lot. It can water flowers and lawns. It can rinse cars. Uh, we put some grass seed down in our front yard. You wouldn't you want to use a power washer on the grass seed. But a garden hose is, is good for that. But sometimes, as that video showed us, we face jobs that a garden hose isn't going to help. 
At my house, it was the green mold. It was black mold. It was ground in dirt. This dirt was too ingrained into the concrete. My sidewalk by my house, the concrete's worn down a little bit, so you just have the little pebbles. They're all stuck together, but that dirt got deep down in there that a water hose wasn't going to do, and that's where I needed a pressure washer. You know, sometimes we face problems in our life that are just too big and too great, and a garden hose ain't going to do it. Only the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be able to get the job done. And we face problems in our life, and we just keep pointing the garden hose, and we're wondering why it's not working. Because God had a promise for us, for the disciples, and for all that are to come, those that are far off, that he would give us the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish more than we could on our own. These sidewalks that I had, I could have run that garden hose over it from now to eternity and it wouldn't have cleaned it. I could have gotten a nozzle with different settings and it still wouldn't have worked. I needed the power of a pressure washer to get rid of the problems that I was facing at my house. Can I tell you in my own life, and maybe this is true in your own life, I have problems that I face that I can't get rid of except for the power of the Holy Spirit. I have temptations that tempt me and test me that I can't have victory over except for the power of the Holy Spirit. Read Galatians chapter 5. The water hose, the garden hose is good, but we need more power. We need more power. The baptism in the Holy Spirit will give us the power of the Spirit. Amen? Baptism in the Holy Spirit will give us the power to overcome problems in our life. Now, there's something else I learned. These are nozzles, okay? And you use different nozzles for different jobs. Let me tell you the spiritual principle, and then I'll relate it a little bit more. The power of the Holy, or the baptism in the Holy Spirit not, gives us, not only gives us the, the, the power to overcome problems, but the baptism in the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom to deal with people. How, how many need the power of the Holy Spirit to deal with people? Okay. And how many of those people are sitting right next? No, 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 no. Don't answer that. Don't you answer that, Raymond. Okay, so this is the nozzle and it's blue. And these I found out that when you look them up, they're color-coded. Who, who would have known? And this blue nozzle you put on, and, and that's what you use to kind of rinse because it spreads the water out like this. And then I've got this, oh, you're going to see that I don't know what I'm talking This thingy that you put in the soap, and it, it hooks to the thing, and then it, it filters the soap that's concentrated through, and this is what you put soap on. Oh, man, I, I ruined the, the whole image of me as a power-washing machine. But that's what the blue one's for. That's what the blue one's for. But you can't get the mold off with this one. See, You need this one, and this is 15 degrees. 
And this intensifies it. Instead of going like this, it goes like this. And it intensifies the water pressure to clean like stuff that you saw uh, on the video. Like that siding, that green siding, this would have been this, would have been this one. Okay? Now, now, you still with me? You don't use the same nozzle all the time for everybody. I got one more nozzle. This is the, this is the great one. The black one, that's right. <laughs> What's this one? We're going to use the word, yeah. John said that's the dead stream and it'll put a hole in your siding. We're going to call this one the turbo. 50 times more pressure. Now, this is what I needed for my sidewalks, the concrete. But you wouldn't use this on wood. Because if you use this on wood and got too close, you'd ruin the wood. Can I tell you what we do sometimes as believers? Watch this. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, but we don't have the wisdom of the Spirit, and we use the wrong nozzle on people. And we end up hurting the person more than we end up helping the person. Wow. Now, did Jesus use the turbo? He definitely did over problems, over sin. He pulled out the turbo nozzle when he went into the temple, and they weren't worshiping God, and they weren't allowing other people to worship God. He used the turbo but what did he do with the adulterous woman? What did he do with the man born blind? Sometimes he pulled out the nozzle and he just put, their, put his hand on their shoulder. The leper that hadn't been touched in decades. Jesus being gentle, that he would never break a reed. You know it, it's in somewhere around Matthew 20, 22. Would never break that rate. He was gentle with them. Did he have the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes, but he also had the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. The adulterous woman that was, I don't know if you know this, she was probably a teenager. And they set her up and they used her terribly. The religious leaders used her to try to trick Jesus, and they didn't care the ridicule that would be upon her life. And Jesus didn't use the power nozzle. He was gentle. And he knelt down with her, and he said, just go and, not just go, but, but go and, and sin no more. They, they don't condemn you, and neither do I. You don't have to answer this. I'll speak for you. I've done this. I've gone into situations and just used the power nozzle on everybody. had the power of the Holy Spirit, not the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. I used the wrong nozzle and caused more harm than I did good. It's okay in life when you're dealing with people to put the power nozzle away. It doesn't mean that you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. It means that you have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit because that's what the baptism in the Holy Spirit does it gives us the power we need for the problems we face it gives them gives us the wisdom that we need for the people we face that we can minister to them where they need it where they need it most sometimes people are just 
I'll kind of relate it like this. They're just a, a wooden fence that's been through so many storms that they're just barely holding on. And if you take the power nozzle to them, you're going to break them. But oh, the gentleness of Jesus through the wisdom of the Spirit can begin to provide healing for that broken person. So look, the disciples couldn't go out. Jesus told them to wait because they needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Because they needed the power for the problems they were going to face and they needed the wisdom for the people they were going to face. And if the disciples who walked with Jesus for three years needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. John needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter, James, John, James needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. All the disciples needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary, the mother of Jesus, needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul needed to be filled with with the Holy Spirit. Randy needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And maybe I'll say, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because there are stains and strains in our life that the garden hose ain't gonna help. But there is no stain or strain in your life that the power of the Holy Spirit can't help. Did they have the Holy Spirit? Yes. Did they need the Holy Spirit? Yes. If you're a believer, do you have the Holy Spirit? Yes. If you're a believer, do you need the Holy Spirit? Yes. You need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's the difference between a garden hose and a pressure washer. And all God's people said, amen. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.